Welcome back to the Cherry Picking Podcast. This is Ziggy. This is Donnie. And today's guest, stepping in for Dylan Fritz, who had a graduation to attend this weekend, is an out-of-work professional ultimate player who possesses a broad jump of roughly nine inches. And he likes bikes. For the second time in Cherry Picking history, it's Brandon Wisco Lamberty. Yeah! Yeah! Let's go! Howdy. Howdy. Now we bring in all the people in the waiting room, and he and gets roasted, and that's the podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. That, that'll be a uh, – when we debut another podcast at some point in the future, that's going to be on there at some point, for some sort of roast of somebody. Anyway, today's agenda is as follows. The NFL owners made amendments to the Rooney Rule and proposed a questionable – questionable is is a saying it lightly solution to incentivizing minority coaching hires also the nwsl is considering a month-long isolated tournament in a place uh, i think utah is what we found out um, for the duration of a season to kind of and we're gonna we're gonna discuss that as well and finally andrew mccutcheon is even better at baseball than anybody had previously thought of course we've got some odds and ends to fill in the gaps but first our sponsor today is unofficially bang energy Bang energy. One day it'll be official. We're still holding that hope, but if you want to be our official sponsor, shoot us an email at cherrypickingpod at gmail.com. Anyway, let's get started. All right, so the NFL made some changes to the Rooney Rule. And if you don't know, the Rooney Rule was enacted, what was it, about eight years ago, a decade ago? I would say a little yeah. after the Tomlin hire, um, yeah. the Pittsburgh Steelers organization, you know, we got the Rooney owners kind of just saying you need mandating that you need to hire, hire, interview a minority candidate for the head coaching position and a minority candidate for the GM position for any vacancies. You got to interview them. It didn't really lead to much change. I mean, I would, I would say that it, it didn't, not really. Like, there's only two minority GMs and execs in the league right now, and that's, that's pretty sad. Right, and there, and there have been coaches. They have been given opportunities, but right. a lot of the times those coaches just kind of phase out of the league. Yeah. And aren't really giving a, giving a legitimate shot. No, I mean, made before, some before, before Tomlin, what, Dungy was like, the only minority had like before before Tomlin, the last minority head coach that had success, I would say, is Dungy. And right? how many how many others have been have had tenured positions? You could have said Ron Rivera before the last yeah, few years. That's true. Right. Todd Bowles, um, again, got fired. He's a he's a he's a good coordinator, but he's not. He hasn't had success as a he's coach. had some. And Hugh Jackson, you know, yeah. has some success as a has had success as a coordinator. I'm sure there's others that uh, I'm not thinking of. We're not thinking of off the top of our heads. But they came up with some amendments. Now instead of the one head coach of one GM interview, it's two uh, external minorities for head coaching and a one for assistant coordinators, offensive and defensive. You also need two minorities or female candidates for all front office positions, you know, head of sales, head of marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And you can't prevent lateral movements anymore. Teams cannot prevent ACs or HCs from interviewing for other positions of that same nature for other teams. 
I like these movements. I like. I do too. Changes. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the issue was, has always been these people need to get the opportunity, right? Because at the end of the day, coaching hires and, and GM hires are very political, which is kind of why we right. got Brandon Lamberty, the resident political analyst. Sure, we can call him that. that. Yeah, we can call him that. We'll sure. call him that loosely. He's he's a part-time. I think, I think my resume says that. He says it more than I Don or I's resume. I'll tell you that much. True. I still yeah. I still think Mitch McConnell is running for president, <laughs> but he isn't. Um, that's not even that's not even true at all. What? What? My question for Brandon is is the fact that the NFL coaching system is so political. Is that dangerous? Do you think? I mean, I mean, yeah. Like, the trick isn't so much that it's political in like a very like clear cut sense. It's more just you know, there's money involved and there's there's a like a reputation a to uphold. There's and a hierarchy. Yeah, and you also have to think about like the fan bases and the people who are most committed to these teams, like. You know, a lot of these teams have fans that are and often lean more conservative and that, you know, have some of these tendencies that get them riled up to see, you know, more minorities. And, you know, it's a it's a tough fact to face, but I think that's still where the where the league and the country's at. And it's, it's you know, it's hard to sell. see is yeah, and it's hard to see sometimes when you're in like the bigger cities and surrounded by more, you know, people in these like urban environments and people in big cities that are used to more diversity, but you get out into, you know, green Bay. places with green Bay, even like the whole state of Wisconsin, you know, they're going to want somebody that looks more like them to be in charge because that's who they trust. And there's, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that. In yeah, the, it's also, in it's, also end, but. it's also just like, you know, who, you know, thing. And yeah. a lot of these people don't make the concerted effort to, you know, try to interview minority coaches i know that it's been a rule but i don't know i, I, I don't i think it's, it's a fleeting it's, it's a fleeting thing at times right a lot of at the end of the day they're 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 convinced that they're gonna hire a right. particular demographic of individual because that's who they intrinsically trust for obviously for not great reasons and even with these new changes that you know you have to interview more minorities for these head coach and, and exec um, positions like it, it still might not even work because these league ownership guys like they might have their eyes on a white head coach and they might just appease NFL the people in, in the NFL front office that you know we will interview these people but we have no desire of hiring them and we're just doing it to appease you so we don't get in trouble and so we don't lose any more money two things there, there is a lot of nepotism involved in hiring especially in these higher office positions, right? I mean, you're going to hire somebody who you trust, I guess. Right. That's, their, that's yeah. their thinking. And, and if they only trust friends and people that you know, look like their friends, you know, they're, it's going to, it's going, and, and the fact that the people that make these decisions are white in the first place, they're going to end up hiring white people. And that's the, the it's, it's trying to break that line of thinking. People want this progression to happen organically. Right. If you think of the NFL quarterback situation where a decade and a half ago, black quarterbacks were few and far between. 
right? You think of Warren Moon, you think of Cordell Stewart. How many other names stick out from the from the '90s and early 2000s? McNabb. Um, I mean, well, but that, that's like that new wave where McNabb and, right. and Mike Vick started coming, and, and um, it's young. Everybody's like, oh. Steve, Steve McNair. McNair, sure. Steve McNair. We're like, he's like a black quarterback. He's a running quarterback. That's all. That's all they do. Steve right? McNair and could sling that ball. Oh like my god! Nobody's business. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it took teams taking. I say the word chances so loosely because I don't think you're. Oh, you're. I'm taking a chance on a black quarterback. That's not at all the connotation I'm trying to, you know, provide. But they felt like in a way they were taking a chance. Because they're doing some things, maybe against the grain, maybe that they weren't comfortable with, breaking the stereotype by taking uh, you know, a black quarterback. And then you have quarterbacks like Russell Wilson and Pat Mahomes and RG3 for the, for the handful of years, right? Who broke the trend, weren't strictly just running quarterbacks, and now are MVP winners, right? But that happened organically. There was not really any kind of incentivization for no. that to happen. They just saw that they were good players. For something like this. People don't want that organic progressiveness. They want change and they want it now, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't blame them. Yeah. Which is why that incentivization has started to creep into owner discussions. Um, this incentivization that I'm mentioning is there was a an idea that was recently tabled, but will be revisit, re, will be revisited, says Roger Goodell, sometime later this winter, saying that minority coaches – Minority coaching hires and GM hires, actual hires, not just interviews, will result in draft pick compensation. Now, they didn't exactly specify, they sort of specify what that could entail, maybe moving up, you know, a dozen slots in a given round, maybe getting an additional pick in a given round, depending on the duration of the contract or in what position they were given. Right. right? Yeah. Everything has a different grade. Every, every, Different positional hires have different grades of yeah. more money to spend on undrafted free agents, something like that. Whatever. Yeah. It's not, it's not something that I would when I saw this, I was very angry about it. I yeah. This they should you shouldn't be incentivized for this. This isn't I don't know. These it's, people it's, aren't for sale. You know? No. I mean I, I don't I don't know. I don't know if anybody's if anybody's moving this into the into No, no, I didn't I didn't discussion. I didn't mean it like that. Not for sale. I didn't mean it like that, but you know what I mean. Um <laughs> I, I, I think I, I know I get I get what you mean. I get See, what you mean. I would just push and say, like, you know, you you offer this up as kind of a big a turnaround for like that short period of time, you know, two, three years of teams. You know, if they're if they need a new head coach and they say, well, this could be a nice advantage that we could get. And you bring in a qualified head coach that's a minority. And then, you know, over time, you know, you forget that. You forget that they were brought in because they were a minority to get that pick. My only and all of a sudden you just have more head like you just have more minority head coaches. My only my one of my biggest problems with that would be like they're not like they're just hiring the person to hire the person so they can get the draft pick. They're not actually going in depth to see if the person is right for their job. Because if you see it in the league, in my opinion, whenever Black Monday comes around. It tells a lot more about the owners and the execs than it does these coaches. Because some of these coaches, you know, Pat Shermer was a terrible head coach for the Giants, right? But some of these other coaches, they deserve more than a year or two given the players that they had from past, like, coaches, uh, the scheme. Like, they don't have 
they haven't had the time to put in their exact scheme yet. Like some of these, I don't want there to be a situation where a minority coach is hired in a position where he's not able to succeed. I think that this makes it worse in that situation yes. where they're being used. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Because Roger Goodell was saying that, oh, the reason why we're going to add this incentivization is because if you hire a minority coach, then it gives a little bit more to build around for that coach. And that coach can have more access to more players to help his system out. Right. But you could think of the same, the same way is that at the end of the day, do the coaches make the draft choices? Not necessarily. That's it. It is a team decision, right? You could be using these minority coaches to gain more draft picks. And then two to three years down the road, after the contracts up, when you're at the position where those draft picks that you, you know, got as return for hiring that minority coach, when those draft picks have a couple years under the belt and really start to get into the groove of the NFL, then you hire the coach that you actually wanted to hire who may not be a minority coach. And you also got a few draft picks again, right? In those two to three years that you may be tanking and you may be accruing draft picks. Why not just hire a minority coach to kind of move the ship while you're down there and say, by chance, he turns into a, a, a fantastic coach do so. There may be other parties that are more qualified at that time than the minority coach. Again, I'm not saying that minority coaches are inherently underqualified. I'm just saying that somebody who is not a minority that is more qualified for the position should not be overlooked because of the incentives that are tied to the potentially lesser qualified um, and also of a minority demographic individual. Yeah, but I would say that I like – I doubt that many owners are going to take someone to be their head coach. That's like marginally worse than another option. Just for I, like a third I, round pick. And like, that's I, a great I think segue I would, into the Joe judge. I would not put it past like, like Jerry like, I Jones don't think to do that. Honestly, picking some like getting an extra safety out of like Ole Miss in the third round is worth spending all that money on a head coach and doing all of that. Like, I think that they're still going to do what they see as best. And I also think that the differences in head coaches is so minimal to start that like, you're not going to see, like you risk it on the new head coach, no matter who, even, even will, who has proven himself in college, you don't know what he's going to do in the NFL, but you're willing to risk it. There's plenty of people like that who are minorities that you can just as well risk it on. I like that's my that's my view on it. Lombardi of the Athletic um, had a great article on on kind of a, a potential explanation for why there aren't more um, minority coaches and former players just as a whole in the NFL. We'll get into that a little bit later in this segment. Um, but I want to go real back to what I mentioned a second ago about Joe Judge. You said, well, why aren't um, why would owners hire somebody for like a third rounder? Right. If there's, yeah, if there's, that, they, that they see is underqualified in their eyes. Exactly. Why would, why would they do that? Well, it's these owners oftentimes don't know what they're looking for anyway. Yeah, these guys don't come from they, football business. They don't. It's in a money-making business. And that's right. where the political sense comes in a lot. It's, you know, okay, who can I sell to the fans? Who is a character that, you know, maybe got endorsed by a friend or has a personality and, and you know, has ideas and a face that can be hyped up to our fan base and they can be essentially sold to the fan base versus somebody who may cause maybe a divide in the fan base because it's a, it's a potentially divisive move. 
right? You have the general audience, right? I, I, I turn to the Joe Judge hire because Joe Judge was the former special teams coordinator of the Patriots. He also During, worked at he also worked at Alabama under right, Nick Saban. Through there, through that is a lot of successful pedigree. Now, in many NFL circles, right, actual NFL circles, not just the owners, the current Giants special teams coach, can't think of his name, something something McGoffey. Um, I will find it right now. He is Thomas. Thomas. Thomas McGoffey is more acclaimed. And has had much more experience coaching within also the Giants within the same organization. Yes, relative to Joe Judge. Now, why? Then you ask what? And McGoffey is also um, a person of color. Now you ask, well, why wasn't he hired? And you could point to the person of color aspect. Yes, you could. You could toss it there. But assuming that has no play in an owner's an owner's choice and an owner's thought process. He's, and he's thinking strictly about what or what can I sell? You can sell somebody who has been part of a two successful organizations, whether or not they have been shown uh, in inner circles to be as qualified. The fact that you, you can't sell the fact that McGoffey has been a special teams coordinator, a really good one, fantastic one of the best in the NFL, albeit. You even can't sell the, the Giants, fact, yeah. Even even as the Giants have sucked, the last you can't season. you can't sell that because if you're right. internally, if you're hiring internally from a team that's been piss poor for the past few seasons, that's not going to go over with the fans. If we've sucked, the, the average fan's going to say, "Well, we've sucked. Why are we hiring somebody from in our own system?" So them hiring from outside the system, from a successful system, even if the the cat isn't proven whatsoever, I, I mean, you can sell that. And McGoffey was even kept on staff by Judge, uh, even though Judge might have his own people. And Judge is a former special teams head coach, so he might have just wanted to take over the position himself. But it speaks to how good of a coach McGoffey is that he's keeping him on even with a change. I mean, this is just a testament to how things operate when it comes to hiring coaches. It's yeah. a it's a friendship thing, you know. You know, nobody's knocking judge, nobody's knocking judges' potential to be a coach. No, I hope I'm not, he's a damn good coach. <laughs> I, well, I know you do. You have your reasons why, but I'm I'm, I'm nobody's. I'm not praying on anybody's downfall. I'm just saying it's he's somebody that you can sell to your to the consumer. Sure, but like one that I would look at is like bringing Mike McCarthy down into like Dallas, who has proven to come up short with one of the best quarterbacks of all time and you're going to go get him just because he's so well known and so you know big in all the circles but you know like if something like this was available why not start fresh why not go for you know a person of color a minority to bring into dallas and to breathe new life into it because he wasn't a good to team turn to another old like why do you have to turn to another old white guy because jerry like, jones runs the dallas yeah, cowboys you gotta think about the yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> that's why why not give these old white men who are all the owners, why not incentivize them to turn something new and to actually take a risk? Like you have to, you have to start a risk somewhere. But that risk, so, that risk, this perceived risk is so much, you know, less potentially consequential in their eyes. If they get draft picks out of it. Oh crap. Well, we, we, we're got, we're not, we're going to be in a uh, tanking ish mindset for the next couple of years. Might as well just hire minority coach get some more draft picks and if he becomes the coach we need bingo it works right it's it's kind of like there's no 
there's no consequence. There's no depth. They don't put any depth into this. And, and yeah, but there's there's upside to it in like it's better only descriptive. It's, there's not there's not really any risk in doing it. Descriptive representation. Like you get to you get to have people of color see more minority head coaches because of this, regardless of what the issue is or the reason why they got into that job. They're there, and even if they're cycling around, there's still just a greater amount overall that kind of grows over time. I also and maybe one or two will stick. I also don't think it's just fair for other teams' perspectives. Like, obviously, the Patriots are not going to fire Bill Belichick, right? And Bill Belichick has his people on staff, right? I don't know how many minority head coach uh, coordinators and white coordinators he has. I don't know what the split is there, but if you're going to penalize the Patriots for not hiring a minority coach when they already have a staff in place that has proven to win under a head coach, under a non-minority head coach that has proven to win, you're going to take picks away from them and just give them to a team that, you know, in my opinion, might not actually be doing the, the potential head coach, like might be giving a disservice to this potential minority head coach. I don't think that's fair. No, but let's say two teams have to hire a head coach this year and one hires a minority and one goes with, like, a typical, like, white male that's going to coach. That team that was willing to follow these new guidelines and take take a risk on maybe a new coach in the league, you know, why not give them one extra draft pick for one year and try and change the tide a bit? I just – I think there's good potential in just adding more – like people into the league. You mentioned a little bit ago, Wisco, that, you know, a lot of so many NFL fan bases are not very progressive in and of themselves. Correct? Correct. Yeah. Having a minority hire that comes with perks in a, in a, in a on a team who's, demographic whose fan base demographic is more conservative their take on it could be oh we're not we're not pushing that we're their take on it may be we are hiring him to get more draft picks they're not saying we're hiring him to buck the trend we're hiring him to you know push this new idea and give more people of color and minorities opportunities those people who are stubborn in their way thinking may just say we're hiring. We're getting some draft picks for a couple of years. It's worth it, right? They only see those. Perhaps, I'm concerned that you know, for that conservative audience, you can't incentivize something like this. That conservative audience was the same one saying quarterbacks should be white. Yeah. Right. And now when they see their their team is winning with a black quarterback, then they're saying, "Oh, okay. Well, it doesn't matter as long as we win." So, but that happened organically. Why can't sure. I? But why can't this happen organically? See, but I would say for the people who, you know, just see it as, oh, we're just getting some draft picks and there's some, you know, minority head coach. But for the the kids that, you know, these minority kids that want to grow up and have big aspirations and now they're seeing, you know, more than just Mike Tomlin and in the league, like they see more representation. And so they're going to have higher goals and then, and then it can happen organically. Then you have people of color who are willing to grow up and try and like take on these big things rather than saying, well, this is the way it is. Why would I bother putting all my time and effort into it? If it's just going to be white guys, why not give, you know, why not 
Like if they're gonna, if the conservative people on these fan bases are aren't gonna care, why not do it for the other people that are gonna see it and are gonna care? That's my I'm, argument. I'm not against at all having persons of colors in these positions mm-hmm. at all. Obviously, yeah, I am against incentivizing this stuff um, very strongly. I think the moves they made with the Rooney rule are a good step towards it, towards keeping it organic and, and, and trying to open up that pool even more. But Tony Dungy said years ago, and has been saying this consistently for years, that, that a second interview needs to be required. I yeah, completely agree. That That's you have African-American or minorities, rather, who have these interview opportunities and it's just a PR stunt. If they're they, they just need they just need that first interview, and yeah. they can be shown that they with, with no with no consideration, they need to be able to have that you know call back guaranteed. So I mean, if they if they start going hand in hand, where you get you have to you have to you have to uh, what do you call it? Interview two candidates, and one of them needs at least needs to have a callback. That would kind of push things a little bit farther. I think. You know, as well, having lateral moves now be an option is helpful as well. Because, you mean with the, with the OCs, coordinators? Yeah, with, with an offensive coordinator and a head coach being able to be interviewed for the same position or similar position in those kind of top three of the pyramid, the coaching pyramid, on another, on another, in another team, right, within another organization. Those have been able to be vetoed. Those opportunities have been able to be vetoed by their current team. Now, say you have a coach who is of minority and he's flourishing within the system and the one team doesn't want to get rid of him, right, because he's so intrinsic to the system. Yeah, they can block Obviously, the interview. Or they can block the interview. Um, but now this allows these players to essentially – or these players, these coaches to take control of their own path, which seem, it seems kind of ridiculous that they weren't able to do that in the first place. Yeah, I never liked the fact that they could be blocked for these interviews without their own discretion. Right. If you feel like your route to a head coaching job is better on another team, right? If say, say for example, you're in the Steelers organization and you see Mike Tomlin's gonna be there for a while, or you're in the Patriots organization, Bill Belichick's gonna be there for a while. But you're an OCDC who has shown a lot and has had interest from other teams. Why are you denied that opportunity to go to interview for other positions? Because say, you know, oh. Uh, so-and-so, say the, the Bengals organization, say a couple years ago, Bengals organization wants to hire you. And you know Marvin Lewis was on the hot seat, put you in a position to, to get part of that system as an assistant coach, put you in a better position to make that leap to head coach internally, right? Now that's an option. And hopefully all these new potential routes that coaches can take to kind of better control their destiny will lead eventually to more coaches, more people of color and minority coaches having head coaching positions, which will give, you know, what Wisco is saying, these young minority children, minority kids, minority athletes, kind of that, that individual to idolize and to learn from and to look up to and to aspire to follow in the path of. I, I don't think there, I think there's enough routes out there that don't involve incentivization and every single one of those routes needs to be explored before you start having to buy people's approval. 
Yeah. And I mean, and again, like these steps, these new steps in the Rooney rule, like are, are good, right? Like I, we all hope that they work, but I'm going to like, I'll believe it when I see it for when it works, because I, I'm not seeing it right now. And I, again, I hope it works. I just, I don't know. I don't have faith in some of these owners out there that they're just going to, that they're just going to, you know, appease the NFL by just doing these interviews, but not hiring them. I really don't want incentivization to occur, but no. I will yeah. say in years down the road, if all these changes and they're really vetting all of the different non-incentivized options, I will support incentivization to make it happen. If it needs a kick in the ass, yeah. I can, I can, you know, relax and, 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 allow, and yeah. support the kick in the ass. But for the time being, it seems like making a jump from, Oh, let's just, let's just interview. We got to mandate one head coach interview from a per minority team. and one GM interview for, for, for a minority per team. Let's just go from there and just jump, leap, fly 400 floors up and jump to incentivizing these same hires. There are yeah. so many levels in between those two options that it's I mean, a ridiculous leap. I think another thing that could be done if it needs a kick in the ass, um, if it doesn't work, let's say in the next few years, is just like, like these owners, I think just need to be shamed by the media, by the public. Um, if the, like by the fans, if, if there's not a thing, if there's no change seen, because these owners will only make a concerted effort to make a change. If they're seen in a negative way in the public eye, if they're like, if they're getting destroyed by the media, if Jerry, maybe not Jerry Jones, but if, if some, Joe Schmo owner is getting destroyed by his own fans because he's not, you know, maybe then he'll make, make the, the change if he's getting shamed by it. I think these people need to be. You, you, if you, the moment you shame yeah. Jerry Jones, that's when you die. I don't know. You're not going to live to see the next morning. No, if you I, start. Think, I, just, I, I think these people need to be, you know, just I, fucking like destroyed in the need media. To be, need to be taught how to hire people. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, and you can't be nice about it. Sometimes you just have to take a stand and be mean to them about it and, and, tell, them, also, and tell them how it is. The last thing I would add there is that, you know, like you watch the Last Dance documentary and you see Jerry Krause get like dunked on by Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen for years for how terrible he was running that team. And it never once faced him. So I don't think like some owner who's got millions, if no, not yeah. billions of dollars is going to care that, you know, some some beat reporter from Bleacher Report is talking bad about him. Like, I think, you know, I my last thing on this is just, you know, I think this the one interview for a head coach is really just like a token token position. And, like, I just don't see how it's more of a token position to pay a minority, like, head coach, you know, what whatever it is, $8 million plus a year. I don't even know how much head coaches make, but you're paying all that money for multiple years and putting them as like the face of your team. I just see that as less of a, as less of a token ideal for a, an organization than marching them in through the front door for one interview. Like I just, I see it as more upside for those people than downside. Yeah. But it's, it goes back to the point is they don't know who to hire. They're going to hire people. There's been shown there's been a what do you call it there's been a track record it's a better term for that there's been a track record 
of owners oftentimes making hires because of stemming from successful schemes. That's why so many of Bill Belichick's assistants have gotten hired, right? And you see now uh, Sean McVay is having his assistants get hired. Yeah, right? Shanahan. Shanahan. Shanahan's having that. assistance get hired. Yeah. Um, you know, right? you had Zach Taylor, who's just a quarterback's coach, who turned Jared Goff from, you know, a bad quarterback into a mediocre one, and he got a whole head coaching job out of that. Now he's got Joe Burrow. Exactly. And, you know, but you have Andy Reid as well, who has, like, Matt Nagy, and you has uh, uh, Doug Peterson, who came from a system and have had head coaching positions. Now, Matt Nagy may not be around doing a whole bunch on the head coaching realm anymore, but he had an opportunity, right? Now you ask, why hasn't Eric Bieniemy had the same opportunity? He's been under Andy Reid. Dude's a genius. He's, been, he's won a Super Bowl under Andy Reid. Where has his opportunity been? And you have some, you, know, you can always say to some pundits and people who are saying, well, it's because oh, Andy Reid actually runs the offense, right? He doesn't run the offense at all. No. That's not true. Andy Reid doesn't control every single facet of the offense. He, they're, they're, yeah, Biennemi is a vital part of the Bien-Ami offensive is, scheme. Exactly. I, I imagine Biennemi is going to get a, an actual opportunity in the next couple of years. But why, why hasn't that happened so far? It may, it may come down to the owners just saying, well, for whatever reason, I don't we want don't to like, hire him. We yeah. don't like him. And it may not really be built on anything football. A lot of times, like we said before, these hires aren't built on anything football. That's the biggest issue is is finding a way to teach these owners, hey, you need to hire people based on merit, not based on who your buddy is, not based on who's going to look good to the media and to to your general fan base, based on who is actually the right person. And going along sort of in that line, and I say we're going to get back to about 15 minutes ago, we're going to get back to that Lombardi article who proposed um, an idea that may allow more former NFL players to work their way into coaching. The reason that these NFL players haven't really had too much success, especially the more longer tenured ones, right? There's ones that have been, that were in the NFL for a few years, kind of didn't do a whole lot with it. And then just started coaching have had a decade, you know, 12 years in college ranks and high school ranks, right. To crash and burn and to fail. And they don't know how to lead. No idea. No idea how to lead. When you're on the, you're, you're a, you're a running back. Who's been the running. Who's been in the league for a decade and a half. Right. You're only worried about being a running back and you know everything about your position, but it's not their job or it's not really in their realm of, you know, imagination that, oh, maybe one day I'm going to be a coach. So I want to look into how to coach. And I want to ask questions about how to coach. And I want to learn that stuff. They're not interning at, at the, the at New the York Kansas, Giants yeah. organization to be a coach. No, they're there getting paid millions of dollars a year to be the, one of the best running backs in the country. They're not there to, to learn how to coach. That's not at all their responsibility. So it's giving these, you know, these players – an outlet so that they can learn how to lead. Yeah. In a sense. A means to figure out how to how to lead. Right? Because if these players are only given one or two year opportunities, they're not and in those one and two years, they not only have to prove that they're the man for the job, but also learn how to be a leader. Because the responsibilities of a head coach and an assistant coach are vastly different than the position specific coaches. 
right? You see a lot of players um, to become position-specific coaches. How many of those specific position-specific coaches, former players of those positions, become assistant coaches or head coaches? Not many. Few, very few and far Not between. Not many. It's yeah. because they also that, like that. to just stay in that position because that's what they know best. Exactly. They don't, they don't but, have to lead. They just tell them what to do. But there's not really an option no. to to move up because you know the leadership mandates, leadership responsibilities of a head coach and a coordinator don't really trickle down to the positional coaches. And Lombardi kind of proposed an idea of having a leadership school, right? Pro's name of the uh, the Paul Brown, Inst- Jim Brown, yeah. the Jim Brown yeah. Institute, right? Great name, great yeah. ring to it too. Uh, that would give formal NFL players, and it would potentially expand to all leadership, just general leadership. But formal NFL players, the skill set needed needed to transition into coaching, which is huge, which is allowing them to do that. And that doesn't mean that oh, they go to the leadership academy, they graduate or whatever, they, right. they finish it, they take, and classes. they would take they would take lessons from like the uh, from like West Point Naval Academy, right? Well, no, they would they would yeah. hire instructors and stuff who yeah, from these from these schools based based on leadership. Yeah, to add that to their arsenal, but it, it wouldn't be like a draft coming out of this leadership academy, the leadership institute, where you know with the first pick in the twenty twenty seven uh, head coaching draft, the <laughs> Detroit Lions select. No, that's not going to happen, right? But these coaches are going to have things and going to gain a skill set to build off of instead of just crashing and burning and crashing and burning and crashing and burning until they just lose all motivation or they run out of, they run out of options. They run out of chances, right? Cause you only get how many chances to make it in the NFL. Very few, a very I two or three max. Yeah. Very, very, very few. Right. Um, and, and you, and if, if you're, if you're learning how to coach while you're having you're the opportunity on the job, to coach, yeah, there's, that's it's ridiculous. You transition to any new job, you're going to be trained. But these head coaches and stuff, um, or these former players who are transitioning in the coaches, don't have the opportunity to be trained in what they want to do. And I think that's preposterous. Yeah. Well, I, I think, think that... You know, go for it, go for it. I think that, I just, yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, minority coaches fail a lot is that they don't have any background and like a lot of these guys you know that came from like pretty low class like upbringings their only route out was to play football and then they never really learned how to do anything besides you know play and now you know now they've got the money and the status but to do more and to be a coach like to implement that takes a lot and you know I think there's a lot to be said there that just hiring someone because they're a minority like isn't a very good reason to do it but i think that there are people that have figured out how to take the skill set that they like built while they were playing and put that into a coaching position and i think those are the people that need to be like hired and brought to the forefront of like discussions right, but you would think that these players who you know have the skill set that teams are looking for would be hired anyway. And I would assume so. I mean, at least maybe not for all reasons, but at least for Mike Tomlin, he was a former player who came from William and Mary as a head coach. Or was he the head coach or was he the DB coach? There? I don't think he was a head coach, head coach there. And then transitioned to the NFL. 
that's a that's a big jump. But what he said and, and his mentality and, and his way of thinking and his leadership abilities transitioned in a way that uh, the Steelers organizational leadership felt was the best route to take. Now, I don't think that many organizations are looking at, you know, these very qualified minority individuals and saying, well, you know what, they're qualified, but they're, but they're black. We can't hire them. I think I, I, this is my, maybe this is my opinion. This is my thinking. I kind of, and this is what Lobardi was alluding to as well. A lot of it has to do is because they might not just be qualified enough. And you say, well, there's so many players. Why can't I just transition to coaching? It's a completely, it's a different skill set. There's, there is yeah. overlap. It's a very different skillship to, skill set to lead and to be the best at your specific position. And it's giving them the opportunity to refine that skill set and, and giving these without the, without the pressure of like having to win or anything. Like yeah. you're, you're specifically learning how to lead while without being on the job. You're, you're pad, you're boosting their resume. That and, and you're also with the, this revised Rooney rule giving more leading to more interviews, if those things go hand in hand, there are going to be more hires. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and I think as I was looking a bit more, as we, you know, kept talking, like there are some of the pushback on this was that, you know, there's going to be an asterisk next to these people's names that they got hired just because of the rule, you know, and I think people are going to view it that way. And, you know, that might be a popular opinion and just the way, like the angle that I'm coming at it from just is, that they're, you know, like some people are going to see that asterisk, but I think there's always an asterisk there. And I think that's that one of those double standards. Like, like there's no asterisk next to like Mike McCarthy's name for getting the job in Dallas. Cause he was just so well known, even though, you know, he lost so many times with Aaron Rodgers and never gave Aaron a, the team he needed. Like, I don't think he faces any judgment for his hire. Like, I think there's probably a lack of merit there but no one talks about that because, you know, he's fits the mold. And I just, I hate that, that idea that we shouldn't hire them because there could be an asterisk that only occurs because of a double standard. And I may be, I may be in the minority on that, on that thought line, but that's just kind of something you have to approach it from when you look at like social justice. And when you look at, you know, building up representation amongst communities Absolutely. You got me thinking now. There's been a lot of talk about potential asterisks lately with the Astros title oh and then God. all of a sudden all of these, <laughs> to see all these seasons come back, well, are there going to be asterisks here? And now like, oh, with these coaches that may have to be incentivized to be higher, there's going to be asterisks there. A lot of asterisks. Um, a lot. A lot. Speaking of asterisks, that's such a hard word to say. Asterisk. Hard word. Asterisk. It's such asterisk. It's it's asterisk. Asterisk. It's asterisk. Asterisk. No, it has an S K. Asterisk. Yeah, but I don't think you say the S K. Asterisk. It's a silent S. Asterisk. Yeah. Asterisk. No, no, it's not. Asterisk. I'm on. I'm looking on. I googled it right now. Asterisk. And it's asterisk. There's an asterisk. It's like risk, but it's asterisk. 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 No, there's an S. Okay, the S is there. It's asterisk. One for one on the segue, asterisk. Ziggy. One for one. That's we segued into into a spelling bee. Is what we segued into. We're not <laughs> we're not there yet. That's not happening until later this year, um, which we should be live at the at the script spelling bee. That'd be great. No, it got canceled. We should, we should got, canceled. got canceled. 
Yeah. Why? Yeah. What do you mean why? What do you mean why? They could do it over Zoom. No. Yeah, you just have yeah, yeah, you just have the parent behind the laptop. Or you just or you just or you just have um. Speaking of cheating, somebody's yeah. We don't need to talk about that. We there was there was a scandal. You have someone. The, you have someone with a trash can. You're college national. Oh, I was talking about how the trivia. Many, with how many letters? No, don't worry was, about the trivia. I was talking. Okay, well, there was a there was a trivia scandal trivia. with college nationals, not college nationals for trivia. <laughs> college nationals it was resolved. For ultimates, that was fully resolved, and uh, nobody holds any more qualms about that, on the record. Um, we're going to we're going to move to the NWSL, the National Women's Soccer League, not the Norwegian Women's Soccer League, as one may think with the with the first letter. Um, they're targeting the weekend of June 27th to start a tournament, postseason what? tournament. Yeah. Well, yeah, to start uh, a tournament. That's that sounds fun. In Utah, in a bubble, basically. Uh, I know Ziggy hates the MLS, but it's kind of like it's it's pretty similar with the MLS plan. All the teams go to Utah; they're in a bubble. Uh, you have the teams, you have the coaches, medical professionals, media media that's allowed. Why? Um, I, before the show, you said we're not yeah, going to talk about the MLS. I'm just and comparing said, them because they're kind. It's God. it's just the same and then plan. You bring up the MLS. <laughs> What's going on? Well, I, I want to ask a question here. Like, do you think that I asked a question? Uh, why'd you Why'd you go back on your <laughs> statement? But don't worry about it. That's why it seems like seems like guys have to get used. Don't to worry about stuff. it. Don't worry about it. Um, do you think a plan like this can work within a within a bubble setting um, of like all the teams in the same place? Uh, you have different times, I guess, for games, and they're all staying in. Like the same location. Yes, it can work, but not for not for something as small as the NWSL. I'm not knocking the NWSL in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like its legitimacy as a sport, I'm just saying it's very legitimate. It's yeah. not being televised, and there's not enough of a media. There's not enough media revenue from it. That well, I mean, it could be with the date that they're targeting. It could be one of the first American sports to come back. If it, I mean, if it comes back early and it's the only one that comes back, then it'll be televised. Time, yeah. It's going to be televised, so it may right. it may but, work out. Do they have the right like broadcasting agreements already even made up to to do that in such a short? I time? mean, they I mean they have their games shown on ESPN and Fox Sports and all that stuff. So I would okay. assume so. I would assume that these are still in place. But then again, I don't know with the amount of like when the NBA is going to start, when the MLB is going to start. I don't know. Um, yeah. My thing but, is, but they do have games shown on ESPN when there is a okay. like a non anomaly type of season in play. It's it's the meteor. It's the revenue sure. thing. If they are going at this and they are potentially going to lose money because they're not going to get enough media revenue and then they're not going to get any fan sales, not going to get any ticket sales um, at all for this, right? Because I imagine this is all. This is this will this will be all without fans. Exactly. Yeah, nothing. They're is losing all of that and they don't have a lot of media to fall back on. Having to run this whole tournament. What's it? What's the accomplishing other than finishing the season? If there's a way that okay, continuity. this this come yes, continuity, but when when you're in organ a, a newer league you have to highly consider having money and if you right, run out yeah. of money because you were concerned about continuity you shot yourself in the head i mean yeah i mean some of these players have said that they're not going to play namely u.s women's national team players have already come out and said that they're not going to do this um so i would why because be they don't because they're allergic to turf well they, they don't like the turf a i don't really blame them um no, but because of the coronavirus, you know, that right. thing that's basically that's, everyone's That's a legitimate life. reason. 
the whole turf argument. Relax. I understand. I understand. Yes. Turf is not as safe as grass, but the newest. Well, yeah, I mean, that's not the biggest reason. The biggest reason is the virus. It should. Yeah. And I think some of the talk around all these leagues is that, you know, they they go to these medical professionals and they say, so how do we like guarantee the safety of the players? You can't. And I I think every answer has been you can't. You can only achieve like a certain amount and they're all these medical professionals don't care about like the perception of safety, like what may feel safe and comfortable to like the average person is An probably athlete, yeah. like, is not what matters to like the CDC, right? Like getting a test done and then going back about your life isn't going to do much. But if you're every time you're in person, you're wearing your mask and you're maintaining like your distance besides like when you're on the field and those players are being more cautious, like, you're really limiting it, and that's like that's no, where not. the success can come in. No, you're not. No, you're not limiting crap. You know, the, I don't understand. That, that's the one thing I don't understand is that you're saying, oh, they don't celebrate when they're doing goals when, after, after they score. Oh, they're, they wear masks on the sidelines and they're six feet apart. All that stuff, to me, seems like it's only for show. It's, it's accomplishing really – nothing right you're 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 going you know toe to toe getting buddy buddy with these players throughout the throughout uh you know competition the entirety of the game right yeah and you're on a corner kick you are sniffing people's armpits all right but i but say that a header goes get scored off a corner kick everybody you know 80 percent of the field is within that 18 box 18 yard box after the corner kick they can't celebrate close to each other I don't, I don't, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense to me. It's not, I don't think that's as useful, but I think things like, and they talk about like the fact that being outside and like the air movement and all that, those are things that they're starting to find are more like successful in preventing the spread. And like, if you're wearing a mask and you aren't like coughing when like not as much of the virus can be spread at once. And, you know, I think as time goes on, they're learning more and they're finding ways to do it like safer. And I think each player that plays in these leagues, even like the AUDL that I'm like going to be playing in, like you have to make a stipend. decision on stipend. You have to make a decision on what, like, what is that threshold of safety to play in that league? And I think you'll see players choose not to come back because you know they don't want to risk it. But other people who either you know are standing to make money from it or just have that passion and feel safe they're going to play. Say the NWSL sees this opportunity saying, okay, well, we can come back at this time and we may be one of the first leagues to come back and we could really help our standing and help you know, our recognition by coming back early and getting televised. If enough players are hesitant to come back because of this, then you're not putting nearly the quality of, of you know, uh, show on the pitch you don't have the nearly the same amount of talent on the field, right? The final product isn't as anything close to as polished, right? But they're going to be making it, they're going to be making more money when. But they're I'm saying if that's playing. what you're showing, is that interesting? Is that is that as interesting? If I if I'm watching NWSL for the first time, right? I don't I'm think saying, they. Okay, I'm gonna I, give this I a chance. I don't think they care right now. I just think they need the money. And you're, but I'm saying if you're down, if you're down the whole the whole you know, women's national team, all those 
brand name players, all those household names. Yeah. And you're you're watching it. I mean, yeah, how it many more? Help. You're, you're gonna lose. Help. You're gonna lose people view, viewers, obviously. But even people that watch, the quality of you know athlete overall, the final product is gonna go down. What's the what's the return value on that? They come back. I mean, they're. I mean, like right now, like the only answer is that they don't play, but they just need the money. Like it's gonna suck that the that some of these yeah. women's national team players aren't gonna play. But then you come back next season. You know, maybe there's a vaccine. Maybe there's not. Maybe it's safe enough for them to come back. And then, and then the 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 the, the value of the play on the field is better. And I maybe, think that's that's the only thing that you can take away from this right now is that you just you bite the bullet for this 24 team tournament. You take the money because they need it, especially given the size of the league. The what tournament? And then the 24 team tournament. Oh, I heard I heard 2014, like the year. Oh <laughs> no, like like you you bite the bullet. Some of these players don't play because they don't feel safe, which is understandable. You you take the money for this tournament, you come back better, and the quality of play is better. And guess like, what? Maybe in the meantime, you learn a couple new women's soccer players that you didn't know, right? Like, if I'm going to go watch, like, a team because I know that, you know, a national team player is on there and I really enjoy watching her play, well, she's not there, so who's in her spot instead? Oh, look, this, you know, this person is – playing just as well as many of the other people I'm used to let me learn a bit more about her and then you know maybe that that city's fan base gets more into their like reserve players and excite people and then you could just build new alliances and allegiances and right. I think I think that's a potential smaller upside to coming right. I mean back. hey I mean there's only one Carly, Carly Lloyd let's be let's all yeah be honest only one Carly yeah. Lloyd but, and Alex Morgan probably wasn't going to play anyways because she's in the yeah, middle she of was, pregnancy. She was, she was pregnant. She was pregnant. Yeah. Uh, toaster is about to pop. But I, I think that this – it would be good. I think it would be good for the league in and of itself to come back as right. early as possible. If they can, if they can get those, those television they hours – If they can make it work, yeah, and they get the TV hours – I, it would it would behoove it. them to find a way to come back, even if it's in a limited capacity. Yeah, but I understand, yeah. and, I, and I do. I I don't like the fact that people are just saying, "Well, you know, you have a contract and you have to play, no matter no. what. You got to play." No, everybody has a different situation. For example, I know uh, Chelsea team team over in Europe has a player in Golo Conte, one of the best players in his position um, in the world, but his family has had issues with heart disease. Right, they, his family is at risk. And he is very hesitant to come, you know, back to back to training. And he came back to training for one day and a second day of training after they started resuming those kind of um, interactions. He just said, I don't feel comfortable. It seems like we're just a little too close. I don't feel safe with my family. I can't put them at risk. And he's highly considering sitting out the entire season. And, uh, you know, Chelsea leadership, right, the board has said that's okay. That's fine. We we yeah. understand the situation. Yeah. But there has been many, many fans who have said, you know, probably probably get wasted in the pub saying we 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 can't have that. You have to play. I don't look, I I don't understand why people can't think of these athletes as people too. Sim- simple as that. Good thing I had good thing I'm glad I have no argument on that front. Yeah. Why would you? Nothing nothing for me. Good. I just I, I I had some for you if you did. Let's move on into some odds and ends before we wrap things up. Andrew McCutcheon is good at baseball. We know that he is good at baseball. Very former good at MVP. Baseball. Former MVP. 
Yeah, with They're who? Your Pittsburgh Pirates, who then well, your were bad, bad with him and had to get rid of him. Isn't that we a were, shame? No, we were good with him. Yeah, but and you didn't do anything with it, did you? We created the <laughs> best moments of baseball history of baseball in the 21st century. The Cueto chant was unparalleled. <laughs> Shut up. Shaking somebody so hard that they they it drops maybe out. Maybe if their, John maybe if Johnny Cueto was equivalent to Nolan Ryan, then it would be most, maybe if Nolan Ryan was equivalent to Johnny Cueto. But, he's uh, more he's, he's whatever. How many strikeouts does Nolan Ryan have? A lot more than Johnny Cueto. Yeah. How many times did Johnny Cueto drop the ball? Once. How many times did Nolan Ryan drop the ball? Nolan Ryan punched uh Got got into a nice fight. That video is funny. John Boy, so John Boy breakdown of the Nolan yeah, Ryan fight. Yeah, the- um, good times. Anyway, Andrew McCutcheon, good at baseball. Guess he he's so good at baseball, like really good at baseball from a young age. That he grew up in Florida, and he won the his county the batting title as an eighth grader playing for varsity. Right, going up oh. against 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 prospects in Florida. That's a, a goal- yeah. Big, big MLB state, yeah. big baseball state. Going up against MLB prospects, he was batting 591 as an eighth grader. That's ridiculous, bro. He then he took pat he took batting lessons around that time um, with Matt Diaz. That name rings a bell. He I think I, I think I've heard that. I think name he was Double A in the Braves organization. We'll see. Uh, I think I've heard uh, the name. Double name, Double A in the I think in the Rays organization at the time of this. Um, but he did, he did play professional ball for a period of time. And after three lessons, Diaz said, quote, I can't help you anymore. You're a better hitter than I am. To a 13-year-old Andrew McCutcheon. This 13-year-old Andrew McCutcheon went on to hit 709 as a senior in high school. Yeah, I mean, I got to look up what the stats were for his other years. This is, I, mean, I don't imagine in between five ninety his five ninety one eighth grade and his seven oh nine twelfth grade he was batting two fifty. No, I don't imagine that <laughs> I either. Imagine he was doing well. Um, yeah, but he's good. Yeah, I and he's I think good. I think you know that coach realizes like anything you do to try and change it is just gonna get into his head and you just gotta let that well, let it is, take over. No, Andrew, Andrew McCutcheon has a pretty pretty swing. Well, here's the that thing: thing is, is nice. He has been known. Throughout his entire tenure with the Pirates, he had, he had been known ready to have that very comfortable swing where it's just resting on his shoulder. I think he did a, a interview with Trevor Plouffe um, and said something along the lines of, you know, I, he did a camp in Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. I assume Matt Diaz was probably involved around that same time. And he did this camp and they told him to keep it on his shoulders just to be relaxed. And he was just taught to have a relaxed swing and he did it. But he was, you know, when he, I think he went to the Giants. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. Sure as hell wasn't with the Pirates. He was one of the Giants. He, the swing started to change um, because he felt like he wasn't getting that pop anymore. And one of the coaches worked with him. I don't remember the name. Kind of revamped his, his stance where the bat's now off his shoulder a little bit. He's able to kind of extend those hips a little bit more. He has that pop again. All right. That's and the, and the thing that somebody was batting 709 in high school as a senior and 591 as, a, as an eighth grader. Now had to get his swing refined when he's like 30 years old, 31 years old. Yeah. Now he's like, now I feel like my swing's right. Like shit. All right, relax. We, we already get you're better than everybody else. Yeah. How good bad was your swing? I, uh, man, like his swing was, his swing was fine before. He just says, I wish I had this earlier. Jeez. Yeah. Kid, kid would have batted 850 as an eighth grader. 
Good lord. Some people are just good. You just gotta, yeah, and you just learn your body over time. Gifted. You learn, you learn what you're capable of. And you don't and try now, and... now he's playing for Ziggy's least favorite city in the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah, I mean, no, no, Philly's not my least favorite city in the state of Pennsylvania. I live there, and I have grown to have a, a great appreciation for it. My least favorite city But do city you like that he plays the for the Phillies Pennsylvania. i rather him play for the Phillies and the Yankees or the Giants. That's for That's damn fair. sure. If there was another team in the NBA, in the NBA, in the MLB, I'd like him to play for it. I think it'd be, he'd look good in an Orioles jersey. But I think that – I think he'd look great in an Orioles jersey. I'm not – he would look good in any jersey. I, he's, a, he's just a good-looking dude. But, um, yeah, no, I'm okay with Phillies. I'm okay that I can see him a few more times um, before he retires. That'd be, that's nice. Uh, that's for sure. No, what else is nice? Nicholas Cage. Cleveland yeah, Indians. What? Yeah, what is this? Cleveland Indians over the last season hid Nicolas Cage in 39 of their <laughs> social media line of graphics. I know for one of the one that I saw and I found, uh, it was they had a lineup card and then Mike Clevenger was on the on the cover. You know, he's mid mid pitch, and Mike Clevenger has a sunflower tattoo on his forearm. And in the, the center of the sunflower was kind of a faded uh, face of Nicolas Cage. And I guess in 38 other instances, they hid it's Nicolas Cage's face somewhere on the lineup card. Now, I did, why did they do this? Two things. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Obviously, okay. why not? Why are you anti? God, all right. I'm off. not. I'm just, this is intriguing. Yeah, this is great. This is, this is the content that I live for. Um, two, there's two sides to this coin, though. One, should the Indian social media team be saddened that nobody found their Easter eggs? Or should they be, you know, they, they feel good that, um, you know, they were able to get away with this the entire time and they were able to drop this massive bomb at the end. Feel good. Yeah. They should feel yeah, good. Because then they it. get to drop the bomb. And I yeah. think you get to be like, wow. And then everybody can out. be, and then everybody knows about it know. and they can look for future Easter eggs. Maybe that might not even be there. That's what I'm saying. And then, then they're sucking Theories. themselves out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hate, they're I doing their job well. They're no, they're so, doing their job well. Head of the social media team, he work, he work, you work hard day in and day out for thirty nine lineup cards to find a perfect place to hide his head. Not really anybody notices it. It's kind of, bummed. but then they get to go back. Like it's not like they like disappear. It's not like a Snapchat story. It disappears. Right. Like it's, it'll be a great forever. It'll be like a great article in like ten years. Yeah. Yeah. Like well, that, the, like the head of social media comes out and tells his story. I hope. <laughs> saga yeah how we had to get it approved by by yeah. the owner it's a it's a 10-part documentary nicholas cage himself you know designed four of them yeah, yeah. that'd be great 10 part now you need 39 part one part for every for every better than the card. last better than the last dance last dance There's... no this is this is the national treasure all right that's what this oh just speaking on baseball, last thing, I just want to take a quick moment of silence uh, for Starla Marte's wife, uh, Noelia, she passed away the past week um, from a heart attack while she was sleeping. I hate to see that. I don't know how I'm going to segue this. I, we have one more thing really on our docket. For, for like major odds and ends. I don't know how I can segue from, from Noelia's mm. passing. RIP. To FC. <laughs> to oh my God. FC Seoul, which is a oh. Korean soft football team, soccer team. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Jesus Christ. R.I.P. R.I.P. I'm awful. Yeah. Um, I think you got to rip the band-aid. I yeah, rip the band-aid. F- FC Soul got hit with a record fine for using sex dolls to fill their stands when they weren't allowed to have... Instead of having robotic bands. Supporters, right. We talked before about the Taiwanese people, Taiwanese league. The Taiwanese um, people. I could almost say the American people or like the Baltimore people. I, I, I don't mean it like that. Relax. Oh, I, I know. The, I know. the Taiwanese, a Taiwanese team organization using robots as fans. And FC Soul said, well, crap, we ain't spending that much. What did the German, the German so league FC do? Soul, they like paid people to like with their cardboard cutouts of their heads? Yeah, whatever. It's cardboard cutouts. That's, that's not even the same thing. It's whatever. But I just imagine they, they instead of getting robots, they just ask their janitors to borrow their sex dolls, and then they say, "We'll put them in the stands." But they got hit. They got hit with seventy-four thousand dollars American dollars worth of fines for putting this them in the stands. This is so funny. It wouldn't have been an issue if social media didn't exist. <laughs> nobody thought about it. Somebody was like, it's just funny. This is just. Wait, this somebody, is just. Somebody was watching it. I was looking looking at the stadium. It was like, wait a second. Look next to him. Wait, I have the same. I have the same. Th- oh no, they didn't. Is this the type of thing where, again, I'll ask, why did they do this? And then you guys say, why not? Is that on the yeah. same stratosphere? Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I'm more of, I'm more of, I don't really know why either, but I'm, it's more like, that's my reaction after they get caught. But my only question caught, is, I was okay with it. Like those, like, you're going to have to spend some good money on that. Like, like they're the cheaper robots. mannequins. Like if you just got a mannequin, that's cheap. You get a sex doll and that's, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, I don't know. You just, that seems, it seems like a big investment for like a quick gimmick. Hey, you got players that got money. Maybe they were in on it. I don't know. Yeah. They might have been. You know, yeah, these, they, these owners, these, they, these team and league owners, they got minds of their own. They molded or maybe the players, they didn't like, they molded the they players the into sectionals. I don't know. I don't know. But why? Yeah. Is yeah, that another the day, why not thing? Is that another we why? Don't, we don't have an answer to the why. At the end of the day, they got with, with, with 74 grand in fines, which is a roughly equivalent to one helmet to helmet collision. Um, and on that note, that's our show. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. We listened. We, we learned some good things today, right? What did we learn? We learned. We learned that Wisco has more of a political resume than you and me. Yes. And we learned that, uh, he can actually think some things through, which is great. And I'm really happy we discovered that. Oh my God. Um, we Good also discovery. learned that. Is that a inc- shot? Is that a shot? Incent- Absolutely it is. Yeah. Incentivizing minority who? coaching who's, hires. Who's the shot at? Emmy. At who, I, it was at you, Donovan. Yeah. It was blatantly directed towards you. Yeah, you was, I didn't even use your I'm name. Just saying, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. my old me. My I'm old just me. saying. You and our other, our, our usual person who's always on youtube always got beef over something i gotta i gotta start beef with somebody donnie just takes the beef i need somebody that gives me the beef. no back. no you and fritzy always beef and he gives the beef back. what did we learn we learned that wisco and i don't believe that minority coaches should not we disagree on whether they whether or not they should be incentivized but i understand your point i hope you understand mine we also learned that eric Bianami probably should have been probably should have had a job by now um, we also learned that the NWSL, they could do it. They could come they back. They could do it. They can make it happen. And this may be. The, it's no, a very rough plan. Very rough plan. But a silver lining to the whole coronavirus thing is that the NWSL kind of pops off because this is what everybody's going to have to be watching. That'd be sick. And we also learned Angie McCushion, damn good at baseball, FC Soul, 
damn bad at hiding the fact they have sex dolls as fans. That's your show. This is Ziggy. This is Donnie. And Wisco. We got it. We did this last week too with LaRue. They just forget to say their own names and forget to forget who they are. Um, That happens. If you want to follow us on social medias at underscore cherry picking, we say it every week. We're getting there. That website's coming along. That oh, new no, logo uh, is. I apologize. I is apologize. getting final touches yeah. next week. I'm saying Avatar. Right here, Avatar got on Netflix, and I got busy watching that. Legend I'm of saying next it, so. week, all that new stuff uh, will be able to debut. Also, this week, look out for maybe one or two Cherry Pits, our new uh, kind of companion to the show, to the main show debuted this past week or two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago now. Yep. With uh, Donovan Hugel and his buddy Lucian talking. Lucian. Lucian. Lucian talking about uh, the the MLB's new economic deal. But we're going to have some good stuff coming in the next few weeks. That's kind of like the show. Next to the show, we take topics that we dig a little bit deeper into them. And we we dig them out like they're a pit. Yeah. Wordplay. But see you on the flip side. I had these things called xylomelts. Have you tried? Have you seen them? No.